In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Take up the shield of faith. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Always continue to pray for all the Lord's people. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here at Lighthouse. Thanks for joining us today. If you're watching online, again, thanks for tuning in as well. Quick shout out to Carter Hartman. He's interning for us and put together that promo video. Way to go, Carter. That was really good. Yeah. I, I had to dress up in all those suits, and he had to keep doing that. And it's terrible, but no. Hey, we are in a sermon series titled, Suit Up, Becoming Battle Ready. So it's a message series about putting on the full armor of God as outlined in Ephesians chapter 6. But our key verses come from Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 13. This is for the series. Let me read this. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. So guys, we are in a spiritual battle. It's not against flesh and blood. It's not against people that we see. There is an invisible enemy that is attacking us. And so it is up to us to put on the full armor of God, as Paul said there, so that we can take the hits of the enemy. We can take the hits. So last week, we talked about the very first part of the armor, which is the belt of truth. The belt protects our reputation. It frees us up for action and it is the foundation of our armor. So if you missed last week's message, I would encourage you to go online. You can still watch it off of YouTube. But today I want to talk about the next piece of armor that protects our vital organs, okay? It protects our vital organs, especially our heart. So we've all heard of bulletproof vests, right? We've seen those on TV. The policemen, you know, wear those. Soldiers wear those. But as you can see, in the, I think we have a picture of it, right? As you can see in the picture, it only covers like their torso, right? It doesn't cover their arms. You know, it doesn't cover their legs. Um, its purpose is to simply keep us alive, right? It's protecting those vital organs. It's heavy. It's not comfortable. But if a policeman gets shot, they're glad that they have it, right? They might have a bruise, but they will survive, now, in the time that the book of Ephesians was written, there were a lot of Roman soldiers, and so they understood a breastplate. And so this is what a breastplate might have looked like that a soldier might have worn. And the breastplate protected those vital organs as well. So they could get, you know, hacked with a sword in their arm, and they would make it, 
They could get hit in the leg, you know, by an arrow, and they might have a limp, but they would survive. But if they didn't have that armor on and they got hit with a sword in the heart, I mean, they were gone within a minute or two. The heart is the most vital organ in our human bodies. It is, right? (laughs) Some of us know that more than others. But in the same way that our physical hearts are super important, let me just submit this to you. Our spiritual hearts are super important to our spiritual being. And we need to protect our spiritual hearts. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, above everything, guard your heart. For everything you do, everything you do flows from it. Solomon knew the importance of guarding our hearts. And when we don't guard our hearts from the evil one, it gets corrupted, right? It it becomes evil. And Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 15, verse 19. He says, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. So we need to protect our hearts. And knowing the importance of this, King David prayed this prayer in Psalm 51. He said, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So our spiritual hearts are incredibly important for our spiritual beings. And we need to protect our hearts. And God gives us a piece of armor that protects our hearts. It's called the breastplate of righteousness. So verses 14 through 17, let me read this section which talks about the armor of God. It says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. We talked about that last week. And then with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And we'll stop there today. And we're going to focus on the breastplate of righteousness. So that's our message title today. So the breastplate of righteousness protects our hearts, our vital organs, our spiritual vital organs. And it's super important that we wear this, that we put this on so that we don't get attacked and defeated by the enemy. So I'm going to give us three ways that we can put on the breastplate of righteousness, but first let me pray. Lord, we come to you and we pray that you would speak to us today. Lord, you know the importance of our hearts, and you know that the enemy wants to take us out with a killer shot to our hearts. So Father, today I pray that you would help me to communicate your word effectively, and that you would open up our hearts to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, on your handout, you can fill in these uh, blanks if you would like. So we can put on the breastplate of righteousness by, number one, using God's word as our standard. Using God's word as our standard. So the definition of righteousness is this, the quality of of being morally right or justifiable. So righteousness is being morally right as opposed to being morally wrong. 
And I think most of us here want to live a morally right life, right? I mean, I think we, most of us want to do that. But how do we determine what is right and what is wrong? What are the rules for our life? I'll give you an example. So my two sons and I have been playing a game called Splendor. I think we have a picture of that. Anyone played Splendor yet? This board game? Yeah, a few of us. And it's a pretty fun game. Uh, it takes a lot of strategy and a certain amount of luck. And I may or may not have lost every single time I've played with my boys. And so I'm getting tired of losing against them. So the last time that we were playing this game, we're coming around to the last round, and I could see that my son Michael was going to win, but I decided to try to bend the rules a little bit so that I could actually win before him, right? And they wouldn't let me do it because they had a rule book that said, this is how you play. And, and if you, you have to follow the rules if you're going to win the game, right? And so I lost again. And so when you look at any board game, the rule book is the standard, right? It determines how you play. It determines who wins, who goes first, all of those kinds of things. It gives us the rules on how we play the game and how we win. And if someone tries to rewrite or they keep changing the rules on you, it's not even fun to play, right? It's not even fun to play those kinds of games. Now, in the game of life, not the board game, like the actual life, we need a set of rules, Maybe more importantly, we need a set of rules that don't change from season to season. The Bible, this book, is our set of rules. Written over thousands of years, this book doesn't change. It is our set of rules. It tells us what is morally right. It tells us what is morally wrong. God's word is our standard. And I believe that today the world is in chaos because they have rejected the standard of what is right and wrong. Right? There's been some things in this book that doesn't go along with common culture today. And so they've decided to throw the whole thing out. And the world is trying to redefine what is right or wrong. And the problem is it changes all the time. Right? depending on what one popular person says or who's in the, in the presidential office. It just, it just seems to change. What was right 10 years ago is wrong today. What was wrong 10 or 15 years ago is acceptable and actually right today, promoted as right. It just continues to change. And that makes it really hard to win at this game of life. And what you end up having is chaos. Is chaos. So the first step in putting on the breastplate of righteousness is to decide that God's word is going to be the standard in your life for what is right and what is wrong. Many years ago, when I was in college, I went through a spiritual introspective analysis. That's what I call it. Today, they call it re constructing our faith, right? There's just a lot of people who are like reconstructing our faith. You can take that picture there. Now, during that time, I had to decide if what I was going through in my life, if I was going to measure it up with the standard of the Bible. 
I had to decide, do I really believe that God created the heavens and the earth? As I was taking my astronomy class, you know, in college. And I started looking at all the options out there, the other holy books or the other faiths or, or my friends who had no faith and what they lived their life by. And I made a decision at that point that I was going to follow this book. I was going to accept the words in this book. And I was going to live my life by it. And there were things in this book, even today, that I don't completely understand, but I accept them by faith. And so that was many, many years ago when I was in my 20s, I made that decision. And let me tell you, it has never let me down in all of those years. If I want to know what is right or what is wrong, I look it up. There is a rule book for this life. A good friend of mine used to look at the Bible as an acronym, and he said, basic instructions before leaving earth. God did not leave us here to wander around aimlessly and try to figure it out. He actually had men, imperfect men, by the way, write a perfect book to explain how we're supposed to live out this life. So let me encourage you. Today, if you want to put on the breastplate of righteousness, you've got to have a standard for what is right or wrong. And so I want to encourage you to accept the word of God by faith that this is the standard to live by. That's the first step on putting on, putting on the breastplate of righteousness. The second step is this, is determining to do what is right. So we can accept that this book is the standard, but then that doesn't necessarily mean that we live by it, right? I mean, the devil knows the Bible and doesn't live by it. So just accepting it as the word of God is not enough. We have to actually determine that we are going to live our life, align our life by what it says. So because the Bible says to be generous then we should strive towards generosity. Because the Bible says that we are supposed to love our enemies, then we should actually try to love our enemies. Because the Bible says, let us not stop meeting together, then we should try to really keep meeting together. If we want the breastplate of righteousness protecting our hearts over our hearts, then we need to determine, I'm going to try to do what's right, as defined by the word of God, no matter what, no matter what. And a person who does this, who pursues doing what is right, as defined by God, is considered righteous. 1 John 3, 7 says, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. And there are so many good things all throughout Scripture available to those who are righteous. Isaiah 33, verses 15 through 17 says, Those who walk righteously and speak what is right, they are the ones who will dwell on the heights. 
whose refuge will be the mountain fortress. Their bread will be supplied and water will not fail them. Your eyes will see the king in his beauty and in view a land that stretches afar. So you can see there are these blessings associated with those who walk righteously. 1 Peter 3.12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. He's looking at us. He's watching. He's attentive to those who are righteous. And his ears are attentive to their prayer. So I don't know about you, but I want God to be attentive to my prayers. Right? And I should choose to live righteously. And Psalm 106 says, verse 3, Blessed are those who act justly, who always do what is right. See, there are blessings associated with those who always do, it right, do what is right, who are righteous. Now, one of the right things to do, according to Scripture, is to forgive people who offend you. Forgive people who hurt you. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. That's just one scripture that talks about forgiving others. But I don't know about you, but my flesh does not want to forgive anybody. Right? When they hurt me, I want to hold on to it. I mean, I don't know. There's just something in me that does not want to hand out forgiveness. But Scripture says to do it. And then our culture today certainly does not promote forgiveness, right? In our culture today, it seems to be that they elevate those who are offended. And if you are offended, then you get some type of attention, right? And people are posting all over social media, they're doing news articles on anyone and everyone who has been offended, and they want them to carry that offense. And not only do they carry their offense, but other people will carry the offense for you as well. We take up other people's offense. So our culture is not promoting forgiveness. And then, of course, the devil doesn't want us to forgive anyone because he knows that if we are caught up in unforgiveness, then we are captive to him. He doesn't want us the free, to have the freedom that forgiveness provides. So we have an inner healing ministry here at the church and this is for anyone that is stuck, like they're spiritually stuck, they're relationally stuck, they're physically stuck. And they'll come in, they'll make an appointment with us, and we have a healing prayer team that will spend some time and just pray for healing, you know, spiritual healing, emotional healing, physical healing, all those things. And many, many times we will, through the discovery process, we'll find out that one of the things that's going on in their life is that they've been hurt. They've been hurt by a family member. They've been hurt by a neighbor, a coworker, you know, those kinds of things. Somewhere in the past, sometimes it goes back to their childhood. And they've been hanging on to this hurt, this offense, and God will point out and to us through this time, I'll say, hey, you should probably forgive them. Right? And I'll say, you should probably forgive them. And so we'll walk through, if they're willing, we'll walk them through declarations of forgiveness, prayers of forgiveness, and, and we'll watch this freedom happen in their lives. 
I mean, they'll, they'll actually just sometimes describe a heaviness as being lifted off of their shoulders. See, there is blessings associated with following the word of God. Even though their flesh doesn't want to do it, the world doesn't promote it, the devil certainly doesn't want us to do it. If we forgive because God told us to forgive, not because they deserve it, okay, because right, none of us deserve forgiveness, but we forgive them, then all of a sudden we reap the benefit of joy, peace, happiness, and freedom. That's what comes on the other side of it. Another example is fasting. In Scripture, Jesus was asked about fasting, and he said, well, when I'm gone, when I go back to heaven, my disciples will fast. And so that's just one of the Scriptures that talks about fasting. And so we, as you know, a church here, we promote fasting, taking time to fast from food. And I, let me just tell you, if Scripture didn't say we should fast, I would never skip a meal, ever, in my life, right? It's craziness. But what I have found by fasting, by participating in, you know, not eating food at times, I am closer to God. I can hear his voice clear. I've seen God work in powerful ways through me and through others who are fasting. See, there are blessings associated with fasting. And just recently, I've read some articles where the medical community is actually coming on board with fasting and intermittent fasting and times of fasting. And they're saying it's actually healthy for our bodies. The medical community is now saying that if we stop eating for 24 hours, our bodies move into an auto repair cycle and it starts repairing and taking care of damaged cells. Who knew that if we didn't eat, our bodies are wired to repair itself? God did, right? See, God doesn't always tell us what the blessing is. He just says, this is what you're supposed to do, and this is what you're not supposed to do. And if you do the right things, he does bless us on the other side. Here's your fill-in. Our obedience to God will always be blessed. Always be blessed. So let me encourage you today, if you want to know what's right or wrong, look it up, and then just do it, no matter the cost. Sometimes it's painful to do the right thing, but let me just tell you, I've been trying to do this for most of my life, and God rewards those who do the right thing again and again and again. So we can put on the breastplate of righteousness by determining to do what is right. And then lastly, we can put on the breastplate of righteousness by accepting Jesus as our righteousness. Accepting Jesus as our righteousness. See, our goal should be to walk in righteousness. The issue is that God's standard for righteousness is perfection. Matthew 5, 48 says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So God's goal for us is perfection. And he blesses us when we consistently do what is right. Unfortunately, I don't know about you, I'm not perfect at this. I make mistakes. 
We make mistakes. We mess up. And Scripture even verifies this with us. And he says in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, Paul said, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. My best day of being righteous still falls incredibly short of God's standard of perfection. Isaiah 64, 6 says, All of us, every one of us, have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. So our righteous acts are like filthy rags. So we're all sinners. And we, sh we should strive towards righteousness. We should strive towards perfection. Even though we fall short. Because here's the good news. There was one who was perfect. There was one who was righteous. Jesus is his name. And we can accept his righteousness over the top of our unrighteousness. That's the good news. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. So that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus was completely perfect and righteous. And he died a gruesome death as the payment for my sins and for yours. So part of putting on the breastplate of righteousness is accepting Jesus' righteousness as our righteousness, as our breastplate. And when we do this, even though we're not righteous, we are righteous. Does that make sense? We are perfect even though we are not perfect. And we are free from sin. We are clean from sin even though we are sinners. Our past mistakes no longer hold on to us. And we can walk in the freedom and confidence in knowing that we are walking with the breastplate of righteousness, but not even our own. Christ's righteousness. And for some of us today, I think that this last point might be the most important point for you. Because I believe that many of us here today, we try to do what's right. We try to walk in righteousness, you know, close in, you know, in sinlessness, but we mess up, we make mistakes. And so the devil, the enemy, is one of his characteristics is he's defined as the accuser of the brothers and sisters. So he just accuses us of every mistake we've ever made. And so, I don't know about you, but there are those times when I mess up, and then I, I try to walk, you know, in, in what God's called me to, but then I'm reminded of the mistakes I made. But here's the good news. If we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and if you know the scripture, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, when we mess up, we become unrighteous. When we mess up, we become imperfect. But when we confess our sins to God, he forgives us of our sins 
and he puts back on this breastplate of righteousness. And this breastplate that we carry is perfect because it is Jesus's righteousness which was perfect. And then we can walk in confidence knowing that we are clean before an almighty God. Here's your last fill-in. Even in our imperfection, we can be made perfect. Even in our imperfection, we can be made perfect. So we can put the breastplate of righteousness in place by using God's word as our standard, determining to do what is right, and accepting Jesus as our righteousness. Let's all stand.